Hey, Ryan here. Does your company have a commercial or industrial IoT project coming down the pipe? Reach out to Vary and let our world-class specialists in hardware, software, data science, and design bring it to life. Partnerships and integrations, you know, so integrations is the next level down from the partnership. But I pull on that thread because a lot of times we people say, oh, we're integrated. And it's like, that means they've got one API call back and forth. And so that, like, that's a term we use that sounds like it means something, but it can mean a thousand different things. So deep integrations, deep partnerships, vital. Budget overruns, brick devices, data breaches, building connected products is hard. Welcome to Over the Air, sharp, unfiltered conversations with executives about their IoT journeys, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned, and what they wish they'd known when they started. I'm your host, Ryan Prosser. Welcome back to Over the Air, IoT Connected Devices and the Journey. My name is Ryan Prosser, CEO of Vary, and today we're joined by Lucas Haldeman, founder and CEO of SmartRent, and we're going to be talking about what makes a successful partnership in IoT? It's a little bit different than other industries. Lucas, thanks for being on the show. Ryan, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So smart rent. I think if people out there in the audience own rental properties, they are probably very familiar with you guys. If they don't, they may not know anything about you at all. For those that don't know, a little bit about smart rent. So smart rent is a five-year-old company that we founded to really bring the enterprise layer to IoT, the enterprise layer to connected devices, and and with the idea of helping apartment owners and managers, single family rental owners and managers, people own property and rent it, that there is this use case. And that's sort of our background. We come from the multifamily industry, we come from rentals, and that's where we discovered this problem, that there were a lot of really cool hardware devices out there, but they weren't really designed to be managed at scale. And that, that's really what, what we bring is, is scale management of IoT devices. So one of the things that I love about your background, you first experienced this pain point as someone out there in the real estate world. You couldn't find the product that you needed, and that seemed to have given birth to smart rent. Can you talk about your experience? You know, you're out there, you're shopping for this product. What's the problem that you were experiencing as a large-scale property manager that you just couldn't find a solution for it. So I guess fundamentally, why does smart rent exist? What are you guys solving for? The problem that we solve for is is taking and harnessing the power of IoT. So there were two real problems that we looked to solve. That, and, and you're right, Ryan, we discovered it. <laughs> we were trying to find smart rent before it existed and saying, I wish that there was a company that did it all. And there are good companies out there that they did pieces of it, but no one had that complete platform. And if you were sitting in my seat as a CTO, it was pretty obvious what, what was missing, but other companies just couldn't quite get aligned. And so really the two things that why we exist that, that make a difference is comes down to integrations, two kinds of integrations. So one is we're a hardware agnostic company. So lots of different hardware solutions, different locks, different thermostats, different sensors, pretty much any anything we can integrate with, we will to put on the platform. And then the second side of that integration is, is knowing what to do with the data. So we're also integrated with the software that's already being used to manage property, property management software. And integrating with that takes this IoT is this new data that's coming in and it makes it actionable. And without without either of those things, without the hardware agnostic piece or without the integrations into software, you don't have a complete solution. You're not actually helping an owner solve a problem. And that's what we do. One of the things that it seems to me is core to you guys' business is 
the partnership, you know, so you guys are unlocking the value of IoT devices that property owners have, you know, what smart thermostats and locks and things like that, access control, climate control, things like that. You guys are really unlocking that value, ma- helping manage that value, as you said, at the enterprise level. So someone owns you know, manages 5,000 units, for example, you know, they want to be able to control access, control climate at scale. It seems like one of the things that smart rent secret sauce, one of the things that comes up time and again, is you guys are excellent at developing and maintaining high quality partnerships. You you both metaphorically and literally live Mm -hmm. at the center of the space. Is that a fair characterization of what's made smart rent successful? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is one of the most important things is to say to we are a manufacturer of hardware. We have a hardware division, but we we manufacture about four devices and we support hundreds of devices. And so without those partnerships, you don't have that platform. You don't have that complete platform that we're that we're talking about. And so, you know, truly partnerships and integrations are really the core of where we started. And we we started out with the belief of always having an open platform is better. And we look for partners who also embrace that and that that we're going to win by creating great products, not by sort of locking people into ecosystems they don't want to be in. Let's pull on that string a little bit of partnerships. What you guys must know a thing or two about what makes, in fact, I bet at this point, five years in, you could probably identify good, great, terrible partnerships early on just by pattern matching. What are some of the things when you're meeting with an executive from a partner company, you can tell, okay, this thing is got a lot of promise. This is going to enter, Smart Red is going to be able to work with these guys. What are some of the common elements for someone out there in TV land that wants to develop a, an IoT company? They want to be a good partner. What is Lucas looking for? What's Smart Red looking for? Yeah, so it, it's going to sound almost like I'm contradicting myself, but I want I want to talk to someone who's opinionated, but also flexible. <laughs> and so that I want, I don't want to be totally leading them saying, this is how you should be building your product. I want them to have have a take, like have a have a passion and say, this is why I like it, but also be open to saying, hey, what if we changed X, Y, and Z a little bit and tweak that a little bit and we'd have a much better product? So we run into to lots of different great companies out there, but the, the ones that we struggle with are ones that are maybe a little too early on and they're saying, I'll build whatever you want, like whatever you want, I'll build it. It's like, well, no, I don't want to tell you what to build. I want you to say, I, I built this and I'm passionate about it. And the other side of it is is companies that are typically larger and more established who are just completely inflexible and say, no, this is the way we've done it. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way we're going to continue to do it. And we found a few in the middle, um, you know, that, that are of a size and scale that they can support the level of, of hardware we need, but also really open to taking in, in feedback. And that, that, that sort of sounds corny, but that's what creates the true partnership instead of just sort of being a customer or a vendor or a buyer that we're actually building something together. Uh, and the other thing I would I would encourage people to do, think about is is be as open as possible. You know, things that warts and all like just if you're coming together, you say this is the problems we're having. This is what we wish you, you could do. And when they come back and say we can't do this, but we can do do something else, that you also have to be open to that and, and also be flexible. Smart rent has been mentioned on the air on this show a few times. You know, one of the questions I love to ask on the back half of the program is, what's a company or companies in IoT not enough people are talking about? And for more than a few companies, Smart Rent has been the answer to that question. 
I know, and one of those companies was Yale August. Okay, these guys are kind of the OGs of IoT. They got into the smart lock game really early. They make a great product. They mentioned smart rent. In fact, they were one of the first people to mention you guys on the air. They obviously have a high opinion of you guys. I assume that's a shared opinion. Can you talk? I know they're kind of a flagship partnership for you guys. Can you talk about that specific partnership? What are some of the hallmarks specifically in that partnership that have worked well for smart rent or uh, symbiotically, I guess, in both directions that have allowed you guys to go, especially when I say you guys, I mean smart rent, has allowed smart rent to really go be successful on the back of this, this partnership? Yeah, I think I think that's a, a great case in point of of what makes a great partnership. I think the team at Yale we think are are incredibly talented. They're super smart, uh, but they're also open to listening. So we live in the, a little bit of a, a weird area, this niche of of helping property managers. And if you think about a, a rental, an apartment community, two hundred apartments, it's sort of commercial real estate, and it's sort of uh, not commercial real estate. It's residential real estate. People are are living there. And so we get into these weird sort of edge cases where if you just were designing for a consumer, for you know you to put in your house or me to put in my house, you wouldn't do any of these things. Like they're just sort of these edge cases that come in into renting property. And that's where we, we come to Yale and we say, hey, we love this. We wish we could do this. That then there's an, an iterative conversation back and forth. And, and out of that, I think we're creating you know a really superior product that is taking into, in, into account all kinds of of edge cases and, and will will help other industries, not just rental industry, but other industries that are semi-commercial and semi-residential. And, and the, the flip side to that is we're always very forthcoming with them about sharing data. You know, we have, I think we have over 300,000 yield locks deployed in the field. So that's a large number of locks. And, and again, that enterprise management is what's important to us. So things like how long does a battery last in certain regions and how, and where do, where do we see degradation of, of certain certain failure points, we can help them iterate and do, do basically long-term QA because we have this this large deployment of these devices. So really enjoy working with them on continuing to innovate and continuing to build better and better products. Lucas, follow-on question to that. How do you view product market fit? Is it your view that SmartRen is pretty far along in that path? Have you guys gotten signals from the marketplace that you're you know ready to scale this thing out to some huge number? Is that something you're still working on? This is the exciting thing. This is this is really what motivated me to leave what was a, a pretty comfortable job as a CTO at a publicly traded company and go back to being an entrepreneur was there literally isn't a rental unit in the world that wouldn't benefit from this platform. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's the beauty of this is is it's such a flexible platform that you can say you're not putting the same thing in an eight hundred dollar a month single family home in Houston as you maybe are in a fifteen thousand dollar a month apartment in Seattle, but at each level and each class of property, there's a solution that makes it a better fit, a better experience for a resident to live in. Even it's simple things like we've gotten feedback that, you know, two working parents, mom and dad are at work. And when the kid gets off the school bus and uses their code to get in, they get a notification. Hey, you know, Jim's home from school. Great, great use case experience all the way up to saving money on utilities, helping the environment, lower our utility consumption. There's some big macro themes so micro themes, macro themes, and it, it helps every unit in the, in the world. You, I mean, if you think about the fundamental thing we do is we help you increase your revenue as an operator and take out expense and complexity. There's no no one who doesn't want to do that in any business. And, and that's where I, I think product market fit was the main driver of starting this. 
Is your product primarily aimed at, I'm going to use an unsophisticated term here and say month over month renters, traditional apartment renters, or does your product also service more Airbnb nightly, weekly type renter as well? It does. And we work with, and it, we also work with, with iBuyers, like the open doors of the world, and we work with home builders. So it's, it doesn't, we started out in rentals and that's my background. And so, yeah, rentals, whether it's, a night, a month, a year, or five years. It's, if it's a rental, we can we can help it. But we've even branched into into other spaces as well, where we continue to help and and just have the idea of having uh, better protection of your asset, better understanding of what's going on, uh, and and the ability to to unlock you know frictionless touring and and, and a lot of a lot of these these macro trends we're seeing that, that your consumers want has allowed us to even branch out further. I have a question. I allow myself, I guess, one derail question per interview. One of the companies that we've worked with at Very makes a product that is, you know, aimed at the rental market, more Airbnb, and they're looking for things like marijuana smoke in the air. They're listening for, you know, broken glass sounds, not intruder, but guests that have, you know, broken something, loud music after hours, that kind of thing. And they're not so much interested in, you know, any specific activity as just problematic behavior, you know, so it's not monitoring, like necessarily a conversation so much as like, are you being loud after uh, midnight kind of a thing? What's your view as this rental market space evolves, particularly the more short term oriented? Do you have a view on privacy versus, you know, asset protection, people have the right to protect their Airbnb, they got expensive things in there, but yet, you know, the person renting it has some expectation of privacy. How do you think this plays out as the years roll on? It's something we spend a lot of time thinking about because it's the same problem you have, whether it's short-term rental or a, a standard rental is, is the renter wants their privacy, but the owner wants to know what's going on with their asset. And so you touched on it, which is for me, it falls into protection um, and saying like owners of assets need to protect their assets. And so like in our system, the way it's set up in an occupied unit, the owner has has no visibility into what's going on in that unit. They don't know whether the door's locked. They don't know what the temperature is. They have no visibility until something out of the ordinary happens. So a leak sensor gets wet. Then this is an asset protection. This is protecting the entire community. And they're they're notified about something like that. So where, where we draw the line is sort of your normal day-to-day behavior. Nothing is monitored. Nothing is shared. And there's a very strict sort of wall there. But that ultimately comes down to, to protection. And it's protection of the asset, but also protection of the rest of the community. And like like sensing marijuana smoke in the air and things that you may not want your kids getting secondhand smoke from someone else's apartment. That's a safety issue. And so, so that's where we think about safety and protection or sort of that that line. And and if you're sort of going about your day in a in a normal course, you know, then nothing is being shared. Interesting. I guess I have a pivot back now to the primary interview that I'm supposed to be conducting. That was definitely uh, off script. But you guys are the hub. I think of SmartRent as the hub. You know, I think, in fact, that is your core product is this hub product. Yeah. And hubs are interesting to me because I ask on this show a lot about product market fit and I ask a lot about the wrong side of impossible. What technical challenge did your company have to solve for the right to exist, for the right to thrive? And for hubs... It's often a complicated answer because other people also needed to solve wrong side of impossible things in order for your hub to be able to to solve interesting problems. 
Can you talk a little bit about the wrong side of impossible for a company that sits at the center of an ecosystem like you guys do? What were some of the things you needed to solve for in order for smart rent to really be viable, really have some unique and special attributes? And then second question related, were there other companies' problems that outside of your control that also needed to be solved for? Like, for example, you guys are sitting on the sidelines really waiting for the August team to roll out XYZ functionality so that access control was finally ready for prime time on multi-thousand unit residential rentals, for example, making it up. But like, what was your wrong side of impossible and what were some of your partners' ones where you're sitting on the sidelines really rooting hard for, for them? Yeah, we did. I mean, maybe I'll start with the partners first and then finish with sort of our journey in the hub. But but yeah, the idea, again, that that sometimes this apartment unit is vacant and it's just a piece of commercial real estate and there's lots of different rules around that. And sometimes it's occupied. We really needed, when you're talking about access and a lock, we needed a lock that could keep up with that because it, you know, there could be there could, when it's vacant, there could be 30 or 40 people who need access, you know, so to, so just to say a lock has 10 codes, that's not going to get us there. And then, so that we need, and that's where, as we talked about with Yale, like they were able to massage their product and, and give us a fit. So we we're sort of waiting for them to, to do that. But what I love about technology is there's always a better version coming out, you know, next year, especially in hardware. It's, it's next year's version of software. We can iterate a little faster. So I, I love that we're actually continuing to push it. So we're we're always on the wrong side of impossible and waiting to get there. And when we get there, we, we set the bar higher. I love that because it makes us it makes the product so much better. Kind of going back to the first part of your question, just say our journey. Yeah, when we first started this, we knew we had to have total control of this hub. Our clients, you know, our initial customers were multi-billion-dollar public companies. Um, we had to be really worried about security. We had to be really worried about privacy, things that, that we already talked about a little bit earlier. And so what we quickly determined is if we're not putting our firmware on the hub, we're going to have a problem. Like we need to be down into the machine language, knowing exactly what this hub is doing and why. And we're also going to put some information on there that you wouldn't normally put on to a hub. So something like when a lease expires, you know, your your standard hub says, I don't know what a lease is or, or what it means for a lease to expire. Our hub can actually say, hey, I know that this is occupied until this date. And if I happen to go offline, like if I lose my connectivity, I can actually expire the lock codes uh, automatically. So things like that, these nuances that you don't think about unless you live in multifamily and you, you live in this rental space, we had to control that. So we had to find, a, uh, this goes back to the importance of a partnership. We didn't have a hardware division at the time. We found a, a company, a partner who would say, we want to use your hardware we want to put our firmware on it. <laughs> we want to, and we want to, and to do that, we have to be arm in arm. You know, like we have to be totally committed to this project together. And then ultimately, we ended up acquiring that company and bringing it in house when we when we got bigger. But but to get that first product live, we said we want to we want to you let us open up your hardware and let us go write the firmware for it. And that until we did that, we didn't have uh, even an MVP that we could go demo or do anything with. This whole episode's been about partnerships, repeated theme, partnerships, partnerships. This it's a, such an interesting part of the smart rent history that you guys did not start as a hardware company, went and found a hardware partner, acquired them, became a hardware company. I don't think we've heard a story like this on the show before. For folks out there in TV land that are asking themselves, how in the world do you go about finding that partner in the first place. What did that look like for you guys? You guys start out, you've got this concept, you're looking for somebody else's hardware 
to flash it onto. Was that dumb luck? Did you have some super methodical process? What did it look like for Smart Rent to go and find this hardware partner? I think we literally ordered every hub in existence <laughs> that we could find, whether it was you know a Kickstarter or, or some random company out of China. I think we had at one time we had fifty or sixty different hubs in there, and we were just were looking at all the hardware. And out of that, we found three that we thought, okay, we like this hardware, we like the processor, we we can work with this with our firmware. And so, and and then we we approached them, and and two were were sort of like. Like I was saying, they were probably too big where they're, they're like, no, that, that's not really interesting to us. And so, so it was a matter of finding not only the right, the right hardware, the right partner, but the right size partner that they said, yeah, you know, this would be interesting to us. We're not so big and so inflexible that that, that sounds like a nuisance. That sounds kind of like a fun project. It was pretty methodical, but came down to there were only a couple options. And then, and then we think the, the best one was the one we went with, obviously. Yeah, I, I find time and again, when you go through vendor selection, the universe feels enormous at first and you quickly discover it it actually isn't as big as you think it is right there's a lot of white labeling out there you know so one company is selling through six different brands or something and yeah yeah with my cto i love you know the first thing we always do is just get the screwdriver out and then take the cover off and it is amazing you know how different it can look on the outside and you say well this is this is these seven are all the exact same board on the inside it's just someone put a different wrapper around it so that mm-hmm. that is kind of the hardware world it's i think it's until you're in it i didn't know until i really got deep into it how how few sort of actual manufacturers there are that there's a lot of marketers and a lot of promoters but there's not that many actual creators of, of hardware so i'm just thinking through you know some key takeaways from today i'll work backwards if the one we just went through when it comes to partner selection it can feel daunting but I always tell people, I don't think the universe is as big as you think it is. You know, get in there, do your homework. I really like your approach of, you know, go buy one of everything from everybody, you know, all of the, and then just look and get your screwdriver out and then, you know, start having conversations, see where the, you know, you're going to quickly be able to ascertain, I don't know what I would call like uh, personality fit between your two companies. You know, that will happen yeah. sort of naturally. It's hard. I've never been able to create a really effective framework. I just, it's either there or it's not. It's hard to quantify. It, accurate in your view? Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I think it, it, yeah, I can tell you in five minutes if we're going to have a good partnership. You know, there's just, just that, is there a fit? Is there a personality fit? And that, I think that has to be there. I think philosophy and, and sort of view of the world is too hard to get over. So yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's easy. You know it You know it when it's right. Like when it's, when it's right, you just know it. Second key takeaway that strikes me from today's conversation, if your company's product, core product is a hub, your core superpower needs to be partnerships. You need to be excellent at partnerships. Would you, is that a fair characterization? Yeah, partnerships and, and integrations, you know, so integrations is the, the next level down from the partnership. But it, because and I, I pull on that thread because a lot of times we people say, oh, we're integrated. And it's like that means they've got one API call back and forth. And so that, like like that, that's a term we use. that sounds like it means something, but it can mean a thousand different things. So deep integrations, deep partnerships, vital. And the third one, I'm going to get this wrong. I'll kind of fumble my way through it, but it feels like it's something along the lines of some of the best companies that are the ones, you know, where you are trying to buy the thing, you know, and you cannot find it, you cannot find the solution. 
I think it's dangerous because you need to ask yourself, are there other people like me looking for this solution? You know, or is this something so hyper unique? And I think, you know, a person could get themselves into trouble there if they're not able to look objectively. But it does feel like that's a really powerful signal. You're out there, you're a large buyer. In your case, I think you had like 5,000 units that you were looking to represent. Well, we had 44,000 single family homes at the time. <laughs> 44,000 single family homes, and you could not find the solution. And my understanding was you weren't looking to be overly picky. There just wasn't the thing that you were looking for. 44,000 homes is enough to be a flagship customer. And indeed, that is more or less what ha- what happened for Smart Rent, right? You went and built the product, and then your previous company became an early customer, correct? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I think you said something else, which I think is important, which is when I got the idea to go to go do this, I actually did do exactly what you said, right? Which is I went and talked to about 15 or 20 other CTOs in rental and said, if there was a product that did X, Y, and Z and was integrated, would you be interested in that? So I think it is an important test to say, you know, don't do a, a survey of one, you know, which of, of yourself, go verify as well. So that that is something I, I didn't bring up earlier, but I think it's a good, a really good point that before you jump into the pool, make sure you're, uh, you know, others are, are going to want to get in the water with you. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot of people in the audience right now nodding their head. Folks that have heard previous episodes are going to recognize this theme, you know, having customer conversations, looking for consistent feedback, consistent pain points. You know, these are the foundations on which product market fit is built. And of course, product market fit is the most important thing for a technology company. If you have it, nothing else matters. If you don't have it, nothing else matters. That's right. I totally agree. Lucas, big finish time. Smart rent. So I, you didn't even mention it. You're the most humble guy in show business. But you guys, if I believe, did an IPO in August, if I'm not mistaken. We did. Yes. Yeah, we did. Congratulations. What's Thank What's you. next for smart rent? So we're in the next 18 months. What are some exciting things that uh, that folks might might see roll out? I'm really interested and excited about, and you brought it up, but environmental sensors. So you brought up the company that does the marijuana smoke. Like I think not just marijuana smoke, but in general, sort of what what is the air quality around us? I think coming through a pandemic, a lot more people are thinking about that. I'm also excited about the energy savings angle. I think we've just touched on on how big owners can save on utilities and how we can really make an impact on the environment. I think we did a we did a little back of the envelope thing that said if every apartment in the U.S had smart rent, we could decrease our power consumption by 4% in this country. And so so really moving the needle on the environment, I think is going to be an, an important theme going forward for us as well. I heard Elon Musk say yesterday, with one tiny corner of Utah dedicated to solar, we could achieve energy independence as a, as a country tomorrow, which of course, I think does I mean, there are some energy transmission issues with that, like Utah and New Hampshire, quite far away. Alaska and yeah. New Hawaii might also have something to say about that. But but yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely a topic that I'm passionate about. Smart Rent is one of the first companies we've had on the show that was previously called out as the answer to the question I'm about to ask you. So you guys are a legacy, okay? You're the first legacy we've had on the show. Who's doing good work out there in IoT land that you think more people should be talking about? And I know you're going to say Yale, so say Yale, but you got to give us some fresh blood too. I think we definitely talked enough about Yale and, and everyone knows I love them. Um, so that's good. And then uh, there's a couple, I'll, I'll give you a couple and, and some you might think are kind of obvious, but I still want to call them out. But one, 
One that I think is under the radar, and we were just talking about, is, is a company that helps with both solar and power management. And there's a lot of people doing it. I think there's some good solutions. That the company I'm thinking of is called Curb, and they make a they make a little box device that you actually hook into your panel and you can start monitoring all your energy consumption. So my, my theme of, of energy consumption is most people, we don't really know how much we're using or, or where it's going. And the first step to sort of reducing our energy consumption is to understand what we're using. So I love, I love that company. They're also part of a solar company that, that I think has, has a lot of upside. So that, that's one. And then a big company that that you know, the people may kind of groan because it is a well-known company, but I, I really love the product innovation coming out of Ring. And we have a close partnership with the Ring team, but um, the, the inside drone cam to me is one of the coolest things I've seen <laughs> in a long time. And I think a lot of the the AI work they're doing with video management is, is really cool. So obviously not a, not a little startup since they, they're part of a, a, you know that, that little company called Amazon, uh, <laughs> but I think they're doing really, really cool stuff. Yeah, I've got the uh, their competitor product. What is it? The Nest doorbell or, or whatever. Yeah, and it's, uh, boy, the AI on that thing is scary. It's a really alarming sneak peek into the future. Its ability to um, to detect people's faces and identify them by name when they come over to our house. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Anybody else you want to give uh, some airtime to? I think PowerX is another one I mentioned. It, it's sort of a competitor to Curb, but I think it's a really cool platform. Those are what I have for you today. But I, I do think, you know, the other thing that we're following, which I'm sure you, you guys think a lot about is sort of this this matter protocol. And, and is that going to help us all make these devices work better together? So I'm a big fan of what they're doing. I hope I hope we get it. We're part of the matter alliance. I hope we I hope we get that over the goal line. I can never remember who I'm allowed to mention on the air or not, but PowerX client of ours, very proud to have them. Um, we'll scrub it out of the recording if I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, Lucas, so you don't strike me as a TikTok guy, but where's a good place to point the audience at if they want to keep up with you after the show? No dance videos for me, unfortunately. Sorry to disappoint. So just uh, can find me on on LinkedIn. Just Lucas Haldeman, Smart Rent, LinkedIn. I love that platform too, even though it's sort of, maybe I'm showing my age when I say that. No, I'm the same way. And for folks out there with production products that they'd love to have smart rent take a look at production folks production no prototypes what's the process for smart rent you know how, how do you guys assess partners and vendors to decide who might be a good fit yeah no it's, that's great I, and actually i love the prototype stuff too it just we, we may not roll it out right away till it's ready for prime time but we're always looking to add more more functionality more devices we are an open platform the way we we really evaluate it so and this is a, a partnership we haven't touched on, but our customers are also our, our great partners of ours. And some, some of them are investors. And so we look to make sure the products we're bringing are always solving a problem for the rental owner, the multifamily owner, the single family rental owner. And we actually have a, a list of, of problems that we've heard from our customers that we're trying to solve. So if you reach out to us, we'd love to have the conversation. And then, you know, if, it, if it's on our, on our hit list, it, we can move pretty quick. All right, folks, you heard it here first. And, and Lucas, specifically, what's a good way for folks to submit that? Do you guys have a, a feature on the website or should they just reach out via LinkedIn? Just reach out via LinkedIn. We're uh, we're not such a big company that I don't want to hear from people. So <laughs> just, just reach out to me. We're exactly the same way. All right, Lucas, that is it for today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It was a lot of fun. And thank you for listening. Join us next time to meet another IoT executive and discuss stuff that went wrong on the journey to what went right. See you guys on the internet. 
Over the Air is brought to you by Very. To find out more about us, head over to verypossible.com and make sure to search for Over the Air and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Very, thanks for listening.